Right, we're back with episode two after literally about 43 minutes of trying to make this damn thing work. <laughs> and I've got a Tokyo pillow with our evergreen mascot. sausage. probably fucked up the sound earlier. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess like starting anything new and we're just saying like most people don't bother to start things and been talking about starting this podcast for like a year previously. Did a few episodes and then didn't bother, et cetera, et cetera, because... And yeah, I guess like with anything in life, doing the first few is always the hardest. And this is number two. Number one went down pretty well, I think. Um, was probably more controversial potentially than this episode. Um, but, but yeah, I feel like I'm probably going to have to learn to be a solid interviewer and like do a dramatic. Oh, what's he eating? Christ, some plastic. Do a dramatic introduction. <laughs> like Tom Billy on Impact Theory or something but I don't have that prepared so I guess today's guest is Billy Harris um, I guess famously or well getting there famously <laughs> not, not infamously that's the wrong word famously um, previously a fitness coach in Gym Box which is where I've trained myself and then got into the online fitness world I guess um, I probably don't know enough about what you actually originally did and what, and what you well, I know what you do now to an extent but we'll go into that and yeah yeah basically just get his take on what I think is a really interesting and certainly a niche I know less about because I guess like previously we spoke a lot about e-commerce which kind of is e-commerce but like more product e-com and I guess you know a lot about personal brands fitness kind of translating from kind of like a, a passion job that a lot of people pursue I feel like in like personal training and so on but then they can't monetize it that much but then you've obviously figured out how to do it on a massive scale so yeah yeah yeah, I guess we'll just give you the stage to start with, and then we'll dive into some like back and forth conversation and see where it goes. But yeah, I'm just I'm interested, and I guess our listeners are interested. Yeah, so in, yeah, yeah, definitely. So go from the beginning. Then in that case, so uh, I left school at 18. Um, didn't want to go to university. Couldn't give less of a shit about university. To be fair, had a place accepted, but I held it as a deferred place. Basically, hmm. says my parents, if I can make as much money as you, as you in the first year, can I not go to university? That was a deal. Yeah. Um, so I did my PT qualification, moved to London. Um, at the time when I was doing my PT qualification, it was in Brighton. I was sleeping on my mate's floor at his uni house in Freshers. So I was being like battered every night, basically, by them coming in after parties and stuff. Anyway, moved to London. Um, had like 500 quid. I had like no money at all. Started doing PT one-to-one in gym box. Was living in a family friend's house, luckily. So I was paying very minimal rent. Um, did pretty well. I was doing like four, six, even eight grand a month at one point, which is pretty decent. In, in gym box? Yeah, yeah. So I was lucky enough to work with some pretty cool clients. So I had like little mix at one point, DJ stuff like oh, that. Oh shit! I so didn't know that. yeah, yeah. So it's going pretty well. Um, I was working my ass off. I was working from like six in the morning to like ten at night at times, just obsessed with making money. Basically, um, didn't have any social life at all for like two years. Basically, it was like mm. it was hell in that respect. But at the same time, I got to, I knew that I could put my back against the wall and actually pull something off. Basically, which is great. Um, but then obviously I was working from six or like 10 at night, as I said, um, realized that it wasn't feasible long-term and as a result, look for other solutions in terms of moving online. So yeah, bought my first info product, which was a total scam. It was such a waste of money. It was like 15 grand. Um, and then that's, at, that's a lot for an info product. Yeah. Yeah. By a guy that said he was doing like 500 grand a month from a fitness coaching offer. Can, can you reveal who this, this guy is? Yeah. Sterling Griffin. I believe he's in like multiple court cases in the U S oh shit. Yeah. This whole, his whole business got shut down. But yeah, it was a total scam of a product. Literally, the first module was filmed on an iPhone. Oh, and it was like, this it, on and he, iPhone? No, he was like, is this recording? And I paid 15 grand for it. I was like, oh no. Jeez, I feel like you were the one that were the fool in that situation. Oh yeah, mate, massively got ripped. And then, um, yeah, started to 
try and push things online um, by building a high ticket offer and was like testing what I could do with it with like a fitness and health offer then met Iman um, and obviously he was doing like 50 grand a month from his education business at the time whilst running an agency saw there was a great niche to tap into basically clients like him Mm. Um, whilst I was also training him and then scaled my peak performance offer to like 30 grand a month I was running that for about what two years maybe pushing towards three and then yeah recently pivoted to build info productions basically yeah that's the that's the backstory and that's over what like four years yeah yeah so I'm now 23 and I started when I was 18 so five and that gym box was that that's not the one we used to go to is it no no that's uh, that was Old Street oh okay yeah so it was like proper like city based clients like they all had cash basically so you could charge whatever you wanted and you were self-employed in that gym or what yeah yeah, is yeah. that how it works as yeah, PTs? yeah. I've never it's, actually it's pretty cutthroat it's so like you're paying gym rent I was paying one and a half grand a month to work there that's like a barber then I think yeah like no, barbers exactly. rent seats it's and then the it comes model. down so to like, their clientele the gym's massively profiting a few basically and all, all the PTs in there so there's like 12 PTs what, so the there? gym would charge out like I don't know 100 pound an hour for PT and they'd give you a percentage no so it was what? like no so basically you pay the gym 1.5k a month that was the rate I just flat. and then you could then work in there for however long yeah. you wanted and you had to wear the gym walk uniform and stuff, but you were technically self-employed. And just name your price. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. did you, you said Little Mix. Was that like Perry Edwards and shit? Yeah. Uh, so that was weird. So like I met, uh, one of my clients was a guy called Jody Harsh. He's a drag queen DJ. Oh, really? But I had no clue. I just thought he was like really flamboyant and quite camp. And he came into the gym one day and he had like loads of glitter on his face and stuff. And I was like, do you mind if I ask what's this all about? I was, I was like 19 I was being quite ballsy when I asked him that and he's like oh I'm a drag queen did you know, know that and I was like oh shit no and he's like, like yeah, he was yeah, famous yeah yeah like pretty big like he's got pretty big Instagram if you guys check it out um, and sure. I went to like yeah some like sus like Magnum ice cream event with him after that mate met like uh, what's her name Kelly Osbourne oh in yeah Sexy Fish and I was like with a bunch of like drag queens and Kelly Osbourne it was the yeah, weirdest Sexy thing. Fish is a scam I went on a second date there last week last year yeah, it's such it a scam. Nice, but it's a scam. Oh, so expensive. It was like, yeah, a it lot. It's so expensive. So did that and then uh, ended up getting invited to the Little Mix party and that met all of them there, which is pretty cool. Actually, I met... Wait, like, started coaching them as a result of the party? Yeah, because I met their agent. And then, funny enough, I actually met Demi in Gymbox as well, which is interesting. Demi so who? Demi Rose. Cause we're, we're building an intro product for her now, but I actually met her in Gymbox, but I'm not she remembers. I don't know. But I remember at the time I was like, So were you oh, this what? person a trainer, toy boy? To all these no, 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 celebrities no, no. or is it not, not, not the same dynamic no strictly professional although all yeah. the PTs were like smashing their clients in the toilets and stuff like all the time yeah, These people would be, yeah it was brutal but yeah so when did you quit gym box then so you went from making pretty decent money as a PT relatively yeah. certainly at that age yeah yeah it was really good and then was it a sudden thing to switch into like online coaching um, or? well I had a bit of cash saved by then well, like a relative amount. I knew I could live off it for a while. Yeah. So I was like, right, I can give it a crack. So I just obviously bought the first info product for online coaching. It was an awful product, but at least I learned like how to put together an offer. Um, started doing some just organic outreach, just outbound, and then signed a client in real estate. His name is Omar, and it was like 500 quid a month or something, up to a grand at one point. And uh, I was like, right, that's proof of concept. So I honestly just like quit at that point straight away. Yeah. Did a couple of clients face-to-face, started training E-Man face-to-face, and then just moved... I was just like, right, I'm going to have to ditch this again and then move into something else, basically. Yeah, no, that's where we met, I think. Yeah, we met like... At a party. We would have met like three months later after I quit. So I literally just quit. And so like meeting you guys... Oh, really? To me, that was like yeah. a whole new world. Because I was like, I remember you pulling up on your R8. 
And I was like, oh yeah. shit, this guy must be making like dollar. Pre-Neon Beach. And, I, and I, I'd actually spoken to Fred because I'd done some outreach, like tried to get Fred as a client. Yeah, I, I think I remember him mentioning that. He said, who's and this like, country trying to sign me? Yeah, exactly. And he, he was just like rejecting me left, right and centre. And I was like, right, I get to meet the guy in person. So that'd be interesting. And then um, obviously met Tyler there the same night. I remember he was wearing like a white shirt. Specific, I don't know why I remember that. But he's yeah, wearing like a white remember, shirt. Yeah, quite I remember meeting Tyler there. That was all at the same time. Yeah, and he was just launching his info product. He was just launching his first info product. Yeah, Where, in real estate, it, I think he was working as a realtor at the same time. Like, as a yeah, jeez, time flies. That was like two and a half years ago. He was living in North London. For like, the so much more money and info products, and there are any comrades. Yeah, but I remember <laughs> meeting you guys because like... I didn't understand like e-commerce. Obviously, I knew of it, but I didn't see it as being like something that I was going to pursue. I was more invested into like info products because I just understood that it was much more profitable, at least. Yeah. Um, but then I saw you guys, and I was like, oh shit, they're doing sick things. But I just didn't understand the concept of like dropshipping or anything at the time, really. It's all pretty new to me. So your clients then, because I think I remember wondering this at the time, like you, like you charged them a decent amount and like, was that just for personal training or for like whole nutritional? Yeah. So the pillars of the offer was sleep, nutrition, body, mind, time, focus. So it was like six pillars we built out. Um, That was after working with a bunch of clients and like kind of consolidated that as the offer, but it was all online. All of it was online. So yeah, I was working with people like, um, other people in the info product space like Dan Bass, people like Lenny and Nick Banks who are now doing really well with their info product service and um, Bastian Slot as well who's doing really well with his info products and coaching offer. People like that and I was charging them five grand for the service. What, per month or just flat out? No, flat out, yeah. And then was that ongoing or what? Yeah, it would have been ongoing, yeah. So how, how long would they get for five grand? Uh, so initially it would have been three months and then after that I was working for some clients for like two years. Oh, so yeah, pretty sick. Yeah. And would so they pay good. you again or was... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be the same fee every time. So every three months? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty lit. Yeah, it's good. It's a good model. I mean, it's just a lot of two degree trading time for money until I productized. So I like tested loads of different systems because obviously I invested in courses like Sam Alvin's course by that point as well. Yeah. So I was learning how to scale, but he's always talking about productizing straight away as soon as you have proof of concept to scale. And um, I didn't think that was really applicable to a health offer because I thought everyone would want the one-to-one aspect. So I brought on a team of coaches just two of them and they were delivering the one-to-one service and I was basically scaling the business um, and then we then productized after that. And these, like, were they all entrepreneurs? Yeah, 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 all of them. And do you think that niche was good because A, they had money, assume, assumingly, because most people wouldn't pay that yeah. or couldn't pay that. So did you think it was more about them actually giving a shit about their health or because they had personal brands they wanted to be seen to have a coach? yeah both i heavily relied on like and leveraged the fact that um i was working with six seven eight figure earners so people doing like at times a million a month and i could then basically talk about that when i was selling the offer yeah and as a result it's more like a status thing as well because realistically most men would rather pride themselves on how much money they earn rather than how healthy they are yeah so when i was then showing the case studies i was always referring to people who are doing like a million a month or like 500k a month Mm. rather than what i'd done with their health and as a result i just sold the offer really really well so yeah. I combined both variables of health and making money together in one offer, basically. Yeah, it's like a win-win. Yeah, yeah. And as a result, like, even the people that were, like, speaking to one another in our um, Slack channels as well, they'd start communicating with one another, share ideas, stuff like that. But it also massively benefited me because I got to learn about how to build info products from these people. Yeah. They were doing, like, so much money. So at one point, um, Dan Bass, who's in the e-commerce info product space, he flew me out to Toronto for a week to film some videos. And um, I basically just got to see how he worked, like how he operated. Mm. And he was doing like, I think it was like 500 grand a month at the time. Yeah. It was just really, really interesting seeing how he 
ran the company he had like a few employees underneath him all of which had shares in the business or like percentage based so i was just i got to see that model and i was like okay well this is viable then yeah so that was really really interesting is dan vast the bloke that like had this massive course but had never actually built a brand or yeah. any come to door yeah so oh, yeah, yeah. i found that out later yeah yeah, yeah. you can't comment <laughs> yeah but no, i always put, find that interesting but put, at yeah. the end of the day i guess if yeah if the course works then yeah well that's the thing like the, like the a, team a that he one. put together were people that were generating like serious cash from drop shipping and yeah Amazon. pretty so, smart like, model he was he was servicing both both variables of that so drop shipping and then obviously amazon fba yeah so you had two different offers under one umbrella of ecom freedom so it was, it was really, really interesting seeing that and seeing how he, he built that because he didn't need to be the person that knew all the stuff. Yeah, very true. Which was basically, which is basically what we do when we partner with influencers now. So I kind of yeah. replicated that model to a degree. And how long did you do... So are you still doing that? Peak. Is that peak performance program? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. no, no. When did that end and why? That ended like about two months ago, not very long ago. Um, reason being is because we started building products for other like experts or influencers who had an audience so we partnered with them on that um, and I saw that as being we got proof of concepts and I was like right we, this has legs we can take this pretty far um, and also if we set up a team and like the operations behind that we can scale that pretty drastically and I can then teach other coaches how to do what I've done as well and as a result scale the business to pretty substantial heights so that's the plan now so the info productions thing yeah. and then also you've productized teaching other people how to do it basically yeah. yeah yeah and is that just in the health niche or no 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 no. it's in, in the revenue niche. so we've got real estate e-commerce digital marketing health and performance yeah i'm even teaching Brittany how to build out a finance offer so yeah sick yeah it, once you know how to build an info product or a course you can apply it to any different niche yeah. it's the same template you just need to learn how to find an audience that can purchase your product and is a niche and then build an offer which solves their problem basically it's as simple as yeah, so you've gone from personal trainer, so basically job, job and then slightly higher paying job because you got better at it. Yeah, yeah. To self-employed, like high paid time for money, then productizing it and now also trying to build a company that you can remove yourself from it but by doing the same things basically yeah, across yeah. multiple and different niches. like actually exit from. Yeah. Because I've, I've seen so many people in the infra product space, like fairly big names as well, try and exit from their infra products. And built, didn't Sam Oven, you say Sam Ovens tried to do that? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and he, he just started Sam building out his tech business, SaaS business. That's my understanding so far. He'd started to build out a school. Yeah. And as a result, he's trying to scale school. Um, and having seen an interview with, uh, I can't remember who was like, his head of operations was, Nick. I can't remember what his surname was. He had an interview and he was talking about the fact that consulting.com could have scaled to like 50 million a year. And that's what Nick wanted to do. But Sam wanted to build out a school as a software. Yeah. So that was what he did basically. Yeah, geez, Sam Evans such a meme. I feel like I used to watch his shit all the time. He seems to have disappeared unless I'm just not in. Yeah, no, but he's targeting anymore. He's just not running ads. Yeah, I don't think they're even he running was ads. He's fucking everywhere. I remember seeing the first ad of him, and I thought he was like a complete like scam guru. But then I realised that he wasn't as much, and it was just like him with some panther statue in a New York penthouse. Yeah, or whatever. yeah. It's just, just like that was the first ad I ever saw. It probably fucking worked. Oh no, it converted, um, it converted so well. Yeah, that's he's what like thirty plus mil a year on point. Yeah, he was like a reincarnation of Ty Lopez's famous here in my garage. Yeah, he actually ran a JV with Ty Lopez at one point. Oh, really? And basically Jesus. acquired a ton of his audience. I started seeing Ty Lopez ads as well recently, again. I actually met Ty Lopez. Oh, really? Yeah, in Maddox. Oh, I thought you said Gym Box as well. No, oh, no. He was in Gym Box. Yeah, yeah, he was in yeah. Gym Box. Oh, yeah, me and Tyler were boxing and uh, Ty Lopez was, yeah, he was in there. 
um, no, I met him in Maddox. Fucking it's a club in London, which was such a weird thing. Yeah, I think thing. I've only ever been there once. I think it was when, a, when it we was, went. It was after that yeah, party we, we where we went. met, I yeah. think. Or was it another time? No, no, we all went. There's a video. Like, Fred, yeah. Fred's wearing a shirt as well, I remember it. And yeah, he's got a funny. totally different haircut. We all look so young in that video, but... Yeah, uh, yeah, I met Ty Lopez. He pulled up with his team. There's like a team of bodyguards and all these girls, which I now know he paid to be there. Oh, of course he did. It's part of the brand, quite funny. But he's uh, yeah, pulled up on a McLaren... All his team were in there, got a table, and we, were, we had a table next to him. And it was just like, it was just such a weird moment. It was just like, that's yeah, bizarre. Yeah, to be fair, like, I've always thought having, that's probably the biggest benefit of having a sick personal brand. Even though in certain niches, like probably the Ty Lopez niche, like the Make Money Online niche, there's like, well, I suppose I've probably faced more abuse by not even being a guru, but there's like potentially prone to some, like people saying, oh, you're a scam or whatever. But it's the, one of the only businesses where, you can probably expense like all those girls. Yeah, yeah. You could literally get like tie hookers for a video and fucking expense it probably and it'd be legitimate because that's your sales material. Like yeah. the whole lifestyle thing. No, exactly. Like, Maybe tie hookers is a bit far, but we could have leveraged that as a case study. Exactly, yeah. Like, yeah, no, definitely. Like cars, like yeah, you, you get a bottle in a bloody tape bottle in London for like five grand and that would be a legitimate business expense. Well so many people do that. Which I feel like a lot of people have copped onto, like people that like finance Lamborghinis and shit. And yeah, I mean, like the infra product space is like it's an interesting one because obviously it just became like seriously extreme as a result of like Ty Lopez and like sort of yeah. like, flexing cars, flexing lifestyle, that kind of stuff. And now it's coming like back to the point where if you're just transparent about your numbers, don't flex things, and yeah. you actually, just actually do provide legitimate value, people will purchase from you. Yeah, because I noticed that about Sam Ovens. Uh, maybe I didn't follow him at the start, but like. I started to think, oh, this guy's legit because he wasn't flexing lifestyle. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I've noticed that. Like, all, all, like the pandemic, so to speak, of like Forex traders, which I feel like has stopped because there was some FCA something oh, like yeah. a year ago or whatever. was so harsh, yeah. Like that was like probably more guru-y than any e-com stuff. In fact, it definitely was because yeah. it was like borderline fraudulent what a lot of them were doing. Yeah, like yeah. selling, I think when they were getting commissions from getting people to sign up to addictive gambling sites and shit. And yeah, it became such a meme. Like you get a Lamborghini Hurricane, you sell a course course, about something that you've never even done. Like, yeah, (laughs) it just became a meme. And there's, yeah, definitely a few like third party friends of friends or whatever that I know have done that sort of shit or I know of. I don't know them very well. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Now I feel like it's the opposite of that. People see through that a bit more now. Yeah, mainly also, I mean, another reason as to why that is is also like the updates to iOS and as a result, Facebook ads, you can't really leverage it as well in terms of CPAs or... Yeah, it's pretty pretty screwed up in that respect. So yeah. if you want to scale, you really need to cultivate like an organic audience, to be fair. And as a result, nurture those individuals. So you're not going to face so much with PC because you're not targeting cold audiences as much. Yeah. So that's another factor. But it also means that then the audience you are nurturing, you do need to be legit and as a result, trustworthy. Yeah, people are but, just more aware of like everything being smoke and mirrors online, aren't they? Like Obviously yeah. not everyone. There's still a market of like 16-year-old vulnerable people in every market, which people will probably still go for. But Yeah, of course. Although a bit of me does think when I had a finance supercar and a penthouse, why didn't I monetize that into like a course at the time? But I just didn't. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It would have sold if you're providing a legitimate product, then there's no issue with that. Yeah, But the, the thing is, if, if you're not providing a legitimate product and you're just flexing a lifestyle, that's awful. That's really, really bad. Like that's one of the yeah. products that I fell for when I first <clears> purchased. And it was like 15 grand USD. It's a lot yeah. of money. Like to me, I actually signed a contract which was paid over a year. I was, I was 19. It was just like, you know, that's awful but yeah yeah I feel like that whole 
like everyone definitely falls to that. I, mean, I, I definitely bought a course. I think it was like called like mobile monopoly or some bollocks in like 2010. <laughs> it wasn't even e-commerce. I don't even know what it was. It was like making money from apps or something. But like you, you think, oh, it, like obviously everyone knows that's a scam or smoke and mirrors. But obviously if you're like 16 or whatever, or like 16, 17, 18, it's easy to look at it now and think, oh, that, that's, that's obviously like bollocks. Or these Forex traders are selling a fake dream. But if you're like just out of school, which is who they go for. Yeah. And that's kind of the problem. Like, yeah, it's just, you fall for that stuff, really. There was actually one time, I remember like two years ago, I don't think, it wasn't like a Forex guy, but it was an Instagram influencer or whatever. And he took a picture next to my card. It had like 200,000 likes. And he like, he photoshopped the color of his shoes and jacket to match the car. And I think, oh, he, I don't know if he put, said it was his car, but like he put it up being like his car. And, and obviously people bought into the fact, I don't know what he was selling. He was probably selling something, but... Yeah, it must have been. Yeah. It's just, yeah, that's just one of a billion examples of... But if you look at the people that have really pure. now succeeded in, like, the coaching and info product space, like Alex Hormozzi, obviously now runs acquisition.com. Yeah, I was listening to his book. Which has uh, eight companies underneath the umbrella, and they're doing, like, 100, 120 million a year. But with his one product, Gym Launch, he was doing, like, 30, 50 million a year, in which yeah. he was helping gym business owners scale, basically, and become more profitable. And, like, that product alone, he was charging, like, 40 to 50 grand for. There's no aspect of flexing a lifestyle at all. Like, the guy's very anti-flexing yeah. in every respect. And he's actually now the person that's probably one of the more successful people in the info product space because he's legitimate and the amount of value he provides and free content and the fact Yeah, I've not- started following him recently, to be fair. I- yeah, no, it's really, really interesting. There's really, that really interesting. graph, I don't know what it's called, where it can be applied to so many things. I saw it on Twitter again recently about, like, crypto, and it's, like, low IQ, like, 70 IQ doesn't do something. So... It- in this case like flex is all the lifestyle bollocks like average IQ like 110 or whatever thinks oh, I need to flex all this stuff and then like super high IQ like 140 is like the, the stupid person yeah. doesn't flex all this stuff oh, yeah, the yeah. example was about crypto like just buy it oh it's a scam just buy it but I guess you could apply it to like yeah need you to flex to any make model like d- don't flex need to flex don't flex so yeah guys like him are examples of don't need to flex because they actually know what they're talking about yeah and, and it comes also, like, like full I fell victim to it, so I'm not one that's going to utilize that as being something which I kind of build my offer on in my, my business. Is that why you don't wear your Richard Mill on interviews? <laughs> or is that because you're not going yet? Wrapping the Apple Watch. Yeah. It's normally the, uh, the gold tier Casio, the gold Casio. Yeah, yeah, to be fair, I've actually got to the point now where I feel like an Apple Watch and the gold Casio is genuinely cooler than a Rolex. Because you know what? Yeah. The Rolex Datejust has become a meme. Yeah, it's become a meme. I have like, one, but it's become a meme. I bought my first Rolex as a sub and then I got a Datejust and I just felt like an absolute idiot. Like, yeah, because everyone's like, gone. I, one, at one point I met this dude and he was like, he, had a cu- he was worth a couple of bill and I just felt like such an idiot. I was like some like 20 or 21 year old. I just felt like such a twat. And uh, he had nothing on him, obviously. He was just very like very humble. Yeah. And not saying that's the way in which you have to live in order to achieve, attain success, but I just felt like an idiot. And also it, it further like boosted my ego to the extent where I was becoming complacent with shit. It's just a pretty nasty cycle. So for me personally, and yeah. also in London, it's it's kind of a security risk. Like yeah, to be fair. Going out, I've heard pre- quite a few stories about people like being past the fag or whatever, and it's, like, it's got whatever in it, knocks them out, they get their watch taken off them. Yeah. You have some pretty bad stories, so I'd rather not be wearing something that's like worth like 10 grand on my wrist. Yeah, because I, I bought my first Rolex in like early summer, like May 2018. It was a Milgauss, which is like the cheapest Rolex, but... So it was pretty cool in hindsight because not many people wear them but I got it stolen off my wrist two months later in Barcelona yeah yeah I was like paralytic coming out of a club at 4am and it was like definitely a professional operation in hindsight 
Because I just remember not even noticing it for like 10 minutes then be like, oh fuck. Yeah. They like squeezed my wrist or something and it wasn't insured. And that was a life lesson. But yeah, I, you definitely feel just like it is almost cooler. It's like the same, th- same thing with like cars and shit as well. Just general lifestyle. Like, yeah, I've had some nice cars. Now I don't have a car. Watch the first episode. <laughs> but I'll, I'll have a nice one again in the future. But there is a freedom to it in a way. Oh, massively. Because like- you just think like, first I've got nothing to prove to anyone. Yeah, there's there's a few ways to think about it really because like like last month I did a hundred grand and like I know a lot of people that would have just gone and blown quite a lot of that money. Yeah, but like there's a few ways which I think about it now. It's like I don't want to be spending that much money and be perceived as being that person because I don't want to attract those kind of people around me. Yeah, and I also want to know that I've got like a legitimate relationship with someone that actually cares for me rather than just there for my money. I think that's also yeah. really important. Um, and then another variable is like obviously I lost my dad last year and knowing that I can actually help my mum out is way more significant than going and buying something or like spending money and just yeah spunking it basically so because I, yeah. I, I had that experience like i got, got my first rolex and then my dad was going through chemotherapy i was just like i'm wearing like a 10 grand watch and i haven't helped my parents out i was yeah, like that's so mean. backward so yeah it's got rid of that asap yeah it's kind of deep yeah no but it's legit do, it's do like, you reckon you always thought that or did that change over time what do you mean like thinking that i mean obviously it changes because everyone grows up but did that experience with your dad like just further that like you want to help your parents and shit help yeah, your mum uh, yeah I, I was like said to my parents particularly when I was like 18 I was leaving like leaving home basically I said to them I'll retire you guys yeah. like, I always said that and I'd like retire them to Bahamas or whatever Barbados yeah. always said that and then obviously my desire to see that drastically improve when I realised that my dad's got cancer and I was yeah. like well shit I really need to help my mum out in the future if that goes wrong kind of thing um, but then also like I was never someone that was like aspiring to attain like a luxury lifestyle to be fair I just always wanted to build a business like legitimately build a business yeah I didn't care about what I didn't even know anything about Rolexes till I moved to London I had no clue I didn't go clubbing until I met like, that's the first time I went clubbing yeah to be fair like London clubbing is something else like yeah. as in it's just such a scam like yeah, yeah. London clubbing is a prime example of just like I feel like obviously there's a load of actually really rich people but it's just it's quite a tragic scene yeah like people that seem to go there on like Monday nights and shit I always think like who the hell is in a London club on a table on a Monday night I've been once but because I saw someone on Instagram like earlier doing it I'm not going to say it was but yeah gee I mean it's just a different someone that isn't me I suppose maybe if I'm retired I'd do that proper degenerate vibes yeah I feel like it's either I don't know just like like family money or well, family money are just like dons that are retired and don't give a fuck. Like they've actually made big bucks. Or but probably making, genuinely family money. Or are making money illegally. Yeah, I, I do like, get that a vibe. Lot of that. There's a lot of that. Because like you said, like I feel like most actual entrepreneurs, people that genuinely like were doing whatever they're doing before it was like cool and fucking popular on TikTok, weren't doing it for the money. They're doing it originally because they actually liked it. Yeah. Like, I, I was certainly like that with like e-commerce brands and shit. I was doing it back in like 2013. And yeah, I'm still after it, even though there's probably a lot easier ways to make money. Mm. And sounds like it's similar for you. Oh yeah, no, it always has been like, I, I've uh, it's a cliche, like everyone's watched Dragons Den when they were a kid. Yeah. But I was like, that's sick. They own something, they built a business and they're, they're passionate about it. And I always wanted to do that with my own life rather than, obviously I wanted to, you know, create financial abundance and move forward and create generational wealth, which is still very much a desire of mine. But yeah. I wasn't going to do it for the purpose of like flexing because I'm really happy with like our mates like collective is a group yeah like we, we're solid mates so we don't need to like go and flex to other people wherever it may be and also it's my mates from home like we're all very down to earth people 
Yeah. And it just it avoid, like prevents complication from arising. I feel like the more money you flex or like your lifestyle you flex, the more complicated your life becomes quite quickly. Yeah, definitely. Like the more negative attention you bring, the more... Yeah. Like- One thing as well, like, I used to notice more on like... The, there obviously are people like obviously shit like cars and so on particularly in London like there's probably more fucking millionaires in London than anywhere in the well of course there is like probably more than anywhere in the world like even just around here you'll see like a Rolls Royce every fucking 10 minutes probably or something sick but one thing I used to notice in like uni and stuff or just like when you're younger and it probably still happens now but like lads in their early 20s and I, I know a few of them from back home who are literally like in some crappy like temporary job or whatever on like 15 grand a year and they're buying, they're buying like Stone Island jackets for 700 quid <laughs> yeah. or like a Gucci t-shirt, which I, I mean, maybe it's just not my thing. Like people could say, could argue, oh, like you, you bought cars and watches or whatever, but at least those things are experiential or hold the value a little bit. I don't yeah. know. I yeah, just, no. I've just never understood the design of the fashion thing ever. Yeah, neither. Me and Brittany I were could be wrong, at that. But like we went into Selfridges on Friday night because I, I was like, we were about to go out for Fred's thing. Yeah. And I was like, I actually don't have any t-shirts like I wear. So I was like, <laughs> yeah. right, I need to go and get like a black t-shirt from somewhere and Selfridges is the only place open. Yeah. And I went around, I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm not paying 200 quid for a t-shirt. So I, yeah. a, a cop one was like 50 quid. It was like the cheapest one in Selfridges I could find. But yeah. like everyone else in there, like you could just see people working like a nine to five. They're earning, nothing wrong with it, but earning like 30 grand a year going into LV spending like 700 you're like what are you doing yeah I actually <laughs> like, it's kind of similar again like I, th- I think I've seen some meme or whatever like LV and Gucci designed for broke people yeah I feel like it's actually true though yeah. but obviously like certain people are genuinely into their fashion and whatever but yeah it's just there's probably no more like product example of just like ridiculous spending habits purely to flex on Instagram yeah than yeah. like designer clothing I can't yeah. think of another example i I like I think I own like two bits of designer stuff two or three bits tops yeah. and it's just like one of them being Comme de Garçons which I don't really regard as being like yeah, designer or, like, like, I just quite like, like LV, Gucci or whatever I don't think and I got a pair of um, like shoes from Giuseppe Zanotti and it was like in a discount like 150 quid or something yeah. down from like 600 I was like right I'm getting them that's it but like yeah it's also this relationship so like, I don't want to track someone that is there for money or like wants this flex like designer stuff and all that like I want someone that I'm actually like happy with and that's been really key for me the whole time, really. Particularly given that, like... Britney likes designer shit, though. Yeah, but it's all, like, she buys it herself. Yeah. Like, I don't... I haven't bought anything. Yeah. Like, I would never want to be in a relationship with someone that makes me want to, like, buy her stuff all the time. Particularly in our 20s. Like, there's no way I'm going to be buying, like, five, ten, whatever grand something is when I could be giving that money either to my mum or putting it back into my yeah. business and education. I, like, there's no way. Jeez, you could talk about, like girls and relationships for a whole fucking episode but I, yeah, feel, yeah. I feel like that's why as a pretty good rule of thumb you're not going to meet your future wife in a nightclub oh genuinely speaking definitely there's not. probably exceptions to that but certainly not in like a central mayfair london one no because it's literally just what's the correct term vultures yeah we call them bottle rats i think i said to <laughs> which is pretty bad to but... andy at the table the other day and i didn't realize they were his friends or whatever his, oh, his no. girls i don't know friends is the right term but i said who the fuck are these vultures and he said oh they're with me or whatever and it's kind of awkward but but yeah this is like yeah even on friday so many of them like well it was just us boys and then Brittany, and then another girl that's with one of our friends as well and then like you just see girls shuffling towards the table yeah it's just like really <laughs> are you really trying to do that <laughs> like we're just trying to have our own fun please just, yeah, politely geez. piss off <laughs> kind of thing yeah girls are complicated creatures yeah and they can 
like I don't want to sound dramatic, but they actually can ruin your life. Like not you were having a pretty bad experience, weren't you? About two years ago, yeah, a year ago, a year and a half ago, really, really bad. But yeah, like I don't think anyone's like innately bad, but they can do certain things which can have a massively negative impact on you. And it can like totally prevent you from having ba- any bandwidth and any energy that you can apply towards your business or your family life, or your personal life. It removes it and it becomes all encompassing, which is insane. Yeah. Another thing with girls, uh, this is probably going to get too controversial, but <laughs> like I feel like everyone's discussed this. Like, because some people say, like, oh, would you, would you want to date like a girl who's also entrepreneurial or whatever? I feel like it's good if they understand it to an extent, but like this one girl in my mind, I'm thinking of, which I'm not going to name, which I wouldn't want to date, um, who you probably know as well. Um, I think we've already spoken about it. Yeah. And yeah, I feel like, yeah, they probably have to understand what you're doing and support it, but I don't know if it's just an egotistical thing. Yeah, I'd probably still rather be, like, I, I might sound like a cunt saying this, but I would find it hard to be in a relationship with a girl that was running like a hundred million pound business if, if I wasn't doing that as well. Like, if they were just, I don't know, I don't know what you think. Is that controversial or not? Uh, I would say it's controversial, I think it's pretty Is normal. Is that just, I've just got, yeah, like, bad, bad self-esteem or something? Well, I don't know, I don't necessarily think it's like a reflection of self-esteem, I think partly it might be, but I also think it's the way in which you want to live your life in terms of like having a, association between your relationship and work as well or like yeah to that whereas for me personally like the person the people that i want to model are alex and Leila hormozy because they built acquisition.com together. yeah true and like britney's now joining me for info productions and she's gonna be quitting her job and i actually want us to do that together because like she understands all nuances of it she's got different skill sets to me stuff that i can't do she can do really really well and we we've lived together for a whole year without lo- throughout lockdown yeah and it's like and been through the loss of my dad, like other stuff in her personal life as well. I don't really see anything that can go that much worse than that and you to come out of it properly. So, so. she, like 50-50 on that business or what? What's the setup? Yeah, Let's we come back be, to yeah. that for a minute. We will be. Yeah. And do you think she add, will add as much value to that as you or is that more just because it's, it's a convenience thing? Uh, add as much value because... Uh, the way she thinks about she's things she's probably watching and say you have, to, you have to say the right thing no but I'm being honest like otherwise we wouldn't have partnered with, I wouldn't have partnered yeah. with her. like I wouldn't have seen any need to do so um, she adds value in so many different areas that I'm not well versed in like for example like she currently operates in a finance and accounting role within her e-commerce business and they're doing I think it's like you know, 20 mil a year yeah I, I'm, I don't know anything to that level in terms of how to manage that aspect of things nor do I want to I want to be front end I want to be dealing with marketing Someone else to do with operations, someone else to do with like financial and accounting and those systems. And then obviously eventually we'll then combine roles or we'll have to switch in and out of different things, etc. But um, like also having seen her work the past year in lockdown, because we obviously all worked in the same flat basically. Yeah. Like I get to see how she then handles things or deals with different things. And it's just like, oh, actually that could be really conducive to what we do. So to me personally that, and I know- Yeah, that I can definitely see the benefit. I think that's rare to be fair. Oh yeah, like- even if it wasn't my girlfriend, I would have wanted to bring in someone that had that skill set. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's definitely it rare, partner. yeah, that, yeah. D- that it is your girlfriend. Yeah, no, and that's she's like not like some middle-aged bloke. But it, yeah, I was actually watching content um, from Alex and Layla because I just like spam watch their content at times, particularly when like eating food and stuff. They were talking about they were kind of reverse engineered their relationship where they ensured they were compatible first with their personal lives and business lives mm. before falling in love and getting married. I'm not yeah, saying that I did that with Brittany, but it was really interesting because like I first met her and I saw that she was taking her career seriously. 
and like yeah. had different skills that I wasn't at all well versed in, but she understood the principles, what contributed to my success. I was like, oh wow, like actually we could actually have a life together kind of thing. Yeah, it's interesting that. Because yeah, I definitely think most people, yeah, they probably don't think about that to be fair. And that might be why statistically a lot of people break up or get divorced when they're older or whatever. Yeah, because I think like, I think it's so easy to like fall in love I think I genuinely yeah. think you can fall in any in love with anyone that you're attracted to, even if you hate their personality or dislike it. Yeah, it's like infatuation, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I think that's the word. I, I've definitely had that in the past when I was a bit younger. Like, I'd go through phases of, yeah, I can think of a few now, like two to three months of this girl that was not remotely compatible and was probably like a net negative on my life by far. But f- for whatever reason, you just like convince yourself that you want to marry them almost. Yeah, no, I had that. And then you wake up like a month later and like, what the fuck was I thinking? I had that in the relationship with the girl that I was with before Brittany. Yeah. And it was like insane. It was nuts. And it literally was making me so incredibly unhappy. It was, it was insane. So yeah, I kind of learned from that experience. But I think that's what you're meant to learn from when you're young, right? You're meant to make mistakes and learn from it. So yeah, definitely. Provided you actually learn a lesson and take stuff into account next time. Another question on that then that a lot of people like what we talk about it and I suppose a lot of people probably say it in general is like some people have this like mindset that oh like a girlfriend is just distraction all this all this and whereas other people think obviously can be massively beneficial and other people think it's probably somewhere in between but yeah I, I definitely agree I think the right girl even if they're not your future wife can be if definitely a net benefit because if anything it's just less distracting because when I was single yeah. and I haven't been for like a year now which is a world record for me <laughs> but yeah well I mean I don't know about you but I just I probably used to spend like half an hour at least just what probably an hour a day on like Hinge and fucking Instagram and shit and, like, and then it's quite a chase to like constantly be trying to meet girls and stuff yeah yeah and it occupies a lot of your time and also your energy yeah it really does so oh, yeah, yeah it actually really does and then the flip side is people that say oh it's a distraction and then therefore don't have a girlfriend and because they think it's a distraction don't even like speak to girls end up becoming like this fucking c- celibate virgin figure when they're making all this money which ends up being the ultimate irony it's like is celibate the right word? yeah where you don't have sex yeah, yeah celibate yeah and they end up becoming this like monk figure which they think I guess it comes back to like particularly like earlier stage entrepreneurs maybe like the first year or two of like making money or whatever and we're still early stage but I've definitely understood this bit a bit better and yeah there's a few people I can think of which won't be named who yeah they've gone through this whole like oh having a girlfriend's like almost cringe because it's like distracting and then it's like well you're making all this money or you're trying to be successful but one of the biological things that people are men are meant to want to be successful which is to attract a mate or women etc like that is fundamentally what a lot of people go after if you break it all down you're, you're not getting because you're saying it's a distraction which is like the ultimate irony yeah yeah it's so I, it's I, an I, interesting one i see their point but I, I think the way in which people articulate that is pretty poor in the main in terms of their point of like being single is key i think like being single being able to be alone is really really important yeah. And like having that experience in your life, like particularly between, for me personally, the age of like 18 to 20, where I didn't go on a single date. Like I didn't go out either. Yeah. Like just because I was working and I actually learned to enjoy my company. That was really interesting for me. And then also when my, when my dad died and we, when my dad died like two weeks before lockdown, I had to move back here after that. I was literally like alone in the middle of lockdown after losing my dad. Yeah. Fuck that. Most like painful experience. But because I was alone, I learned so much about myself. Yeah, and like I learned how to boost myself or like how to get myself going to do certain things without needing to depend on someone else 
So to me personally, that again, it was like another just example of like, if things happen, I can deal with it. Yeah. And then so true. like, I wasn't looking for a relationship, like meeting Brittany was just totally by coincidence. And if anything, I was like very anti-relationship at the time, but. Yeah, I think that that's definitely the best way for it to go, to be fair. Like, it's pretty off the cuff. It's like blokes that go out on nights out when they're just like, and they're like, oh, I need to pull or whatever. And then you never pull. Of course you don't. Yeah, yeah. It's like that rule kind of applies to a lot of things in life. If you force it, it doesn't happen. Yeah, I don't know. Like, we've spoken about this before. Like, I feel like the best, best relationships that we've seen, or at least in like within our like friendship circle, either come from like referrals we said yeah. it's like through friends of friends or it's just well, like it's, totally off yeah, the cuff it's probably similar to a lot of good brands and businesses there's a lot of word of mouth and like referral rather than just always cold ads or whatever like you were saying before yeah yeah no it actually it's, is it's actually mad how much like real life principles flow into like business and e-commerce and marketing and vice versa yeah massively and yeah also in terms of like people again like saying they don't want to have a girlfriend whilst they build a business like to me I think business in your life goes hand in hand. So yeah. why have disparity between the two? And like at some point you're gonna to want to have a partner. Yeah, but you're still operating a business. So like, it yeah. kind of contradicts itself as a point. I think that's interesting to be fair because a lot of people, and again, I think it's when people are less experienced, and myself included. And I feel like in the last year, started to understand it and get out of that. Is they think, oh, I'm gonna work for like five years or whatever then I'll sell this business or then I'll have made it and made all this money and then I'm gonna not have to work and I'll have time for like life but then it's like that's really backward firstly <laughs> like if you had a billion quid today realistically you wouldn't just want to sit on a beach like you actually wouldn't like granted you might not do everything that you do and like I'd probably fucking go and make a horror film or something I wouldn't just maybe I'd build I'd probably do brand building as well but like obviously yeah it'd be slightly different but you wouldn't just want to do nothing and I think that's what a lot of people like ignorantly like oh I'm just gonna fucking go sit on a beach or whatever but of course you wouldn't that's just like childish talk in a way that's what you see in the movie yeah it actually is it's, what, it's the dream that's presented when the reality is that if you've gone to the extent where like you've pretty much sacrificed everything to build a business and you put yourself through the mill like you're gonna want to do something again like yeah. able to maintain your like both your sanity and also just your mental well-being like your happiness yeah, that's another side of it as well, which again, like in the past year, I've started to realise, I don't know if it's because I went through so much stress and realised it wasn't worth it, but like, I think particularly like beginners, whatever, and I still consider myself a beginner, but I'm talking literally people that have like just started a Shopify store or whatever it is for the first time. And they're like, oh, I'm working 20, 21 hours a day, like, which A, you're not anyway, you're probably working yeah. 14 hours a day, but like B, that's not healthy. And like C, if you are, then you're just yeah you're working hard but not smart and like obviously it takes time to figure out how to work smarter and like but it's just not healthy like it's probably the main point yeah and I mean, it's not yeah. sustainable like if you can't do something sustainably you can't yeah then there's no point then it's not a good threshold to, to work at yeah i think i was listening to some steve bartler podcasts and he was speaking about that or something and like i looked at my like i set up like a calendar on google which is like my ideal day which I set up like a few months ago to be fair but it's like the actual work and it's probably only like seven and a half eight hours yeah well, I think that's what you need because anyone's saying they're working more than that anyway because actually if you do eight hours of deep work or like relatively deep work per day then you can fucking move mountains anyway for a start but secondly like any more than that because like obviously and that's like over 14 hours a day almost by the time you've like had a break had lunch gone to the gym walked this fucking dog <laughs> and like sat down so yeah like eight hours, and whereas previously I might have thought, oh, I'm working 12 hours a day. And then a few years before that, I might have aspired or told people that, yeah, I'm working 15 hours a day. Yeah, I mean, like we... Which you're not. 
we grew up through like that entrepreneurship generation of Gary Vee wannabes yeah it's so true and he was always preaching like the grind like sleep on your dead mentality for ages and he's now kind of like flipped on that but he was yeah. preaching that massively and as a result we all kind of grew up and that was cultivated but um like one thing that raised that point to me massively was i listened to a podcast and this was in lockdown with tobias lutker and tim ferris so oh, the yeah. ceo of shopify and he's got a family and he's talking about the fact that he works like strictly nine to five or somewhere within that parameter and takes weekends well, the, off the founder of shopify does yeah yeah ceo so he was actually an engineer, so he didn't find the company, but he's now the CEO. But I was like, well, I'm, I mean, he's running like... He's worth like 10 billion, isn't he? Yeah, like what's Shopify worth? And he's yeah operating within those hours. And I was like, but people that are running a 10K a month business yeah. are supposedly working 20 hours a day or something. Very like, yeah, obviously they're like unicorn examples, but I think Bezos spoke about it as well. Like, yeah, like basically works like eight hours a day and like has weekends off. But then the flip side of that, which I've seen on Twitter recently... And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not sure where I stand on it. Probably somewhere in between. It's like people are saying, oh yeah, but he has to work 18 hours a day for the first five years only because he's a CEO, blah, 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 that he can do this now. But then other people argue, and I think I probably agree with it to an extent. No, it's because he's smart and he understands A, how to get more done in less time and B, that if he's working 18 hours a day, he'll burn out and not make good decisions. Yeah, that, I mean, like again, he he can limit his hours because he has a team and a structure in place. Obviously, anyone yeah. that's scaled can do that, and as a result, they can outsource work and facilitate growth at the same time. But like the people that, even when I was running Peak, and as I said, like I went to see Dan, and obviously I was with people like Eman and stuff like that. They were creating huge amounts of financial success at a very very young age. Yeah, and the way in which they chose to do that, or like ensure that happened, was by actually enforcing very strict rules where they wouldn't work beyond a certain point or they had to get said task done by a certain point. Yeah, and as a result, they actually took more action to ensure that happened and also they built a team around them whereas most people will then rock up and uh, on a daily basis have a list of like 10 things to do no parameters in terms of like time frame one said goal yeah and as a result you get two things done because they have such an open diary or open book so yeah i think like having a time like actually knowing when you work best is really important personally and yeah, to me personally it's between the hours of like 6 a.m till 10 a.m like i find that to be my my zone because no one else is up i'm not being bored yeah. by messages and I'm getting ahead of the game, basically. It's, to me, it works really well. Yeah, like, I find I religiously can't work in, like, the early to mid-afternoon. Like, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. is, like, no man's land for me. Like, pretty much 2 p.m. to 5 p.m., probably. Even, like, 2 to 6, in a way. Yeah. That's why I go to the gym and go sauna and shit in that time. Yeah. And obviously, everyone's different. But I feel like a lot of people probably can't work as well in the afternoon. Because, like, generally, you've had lunch or whatever. You're less clear-headed. Yeah, and also that's the best time for you to train because your body temperature is the highest anyway. So like you should. Yeah, be there training. we go. That's yeah, why he's yeah, it's, that's stuff at peak. But yeah, I, again, it's like I, I also know people that are incredibly successful that are total night hours. They sleep, they work throughout the night. Yeah, it's fine. They just know when they work best. You know. Something else I've read on Twitter as well. I started becoming obsessed with Twitter. I never used to use it until like literally two months ago, which is it's mad. Amazing. I poisoned my mind with Instagram and yeah. never went on Twitter, <laughs> which actually has information rather than just spam. And you're a TikTok fan as well. Yeah, I went through a TikTok phase because Liv, Liv got me into it. But then I've, I've gone off it to be, to be fair. It's just, it's just videos of sausage dogs and then like fat American Texan girls saying like, my name's something, something. I go to Texas State Christian Church. Classic. Something like that. That, that probably sound weird on this microphone. But um, what was I saying? Yeah, like people are saying now it's like the information revolution or something, whatever it is. And, and it basically is like everyone's got access to fucking everything. And like so much leverage potential due to the internet. Which is what I realised as well. It's like, fuck, I should probably just make a podcast instead of not making one and just thinking about things because then it can reach people. But the point was, if you're working way too much and like burnt out all the time, et cetera, et cetera, then you make worse quality decisions. And Jeff Bezos spoke about it as well. And obviously, 
that's like a unicorn example again, but it's kind of true because it's like now more than ever, like every decision you make, particularly if you're publishing stuff or creating stuff or like doing ads at scale, whatever it is, even just writing someone on like LinkedIn or Instagram, it like has more effect than ever before because yeah. it can be seen by more people than ever before and it can have a positive or negative impact on anything more than before. So it's like, why would you spend 18 hours a day, hypothetically, working on something if you can do eight hours of like quality decision-making? Even on a small scale, because it doesn't have to be like, oh, I can only make quality decisions if I'm a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. But it could literally just be as simple as, yeah, I mean, where should I focus my time? And just thinking about that, rather than just constantly trying to do a billion things, which I've been guilty of as well. We all have. I also think the majority of people are way too complacent <laughs> in terms of like, yeah, I could do that if I was a CEO of a company doing a billion yeah, but the reality is you can you can outsource a lot of things either to a VA or someone commission based. Like yeah. my sales team, my appointment setting team, so we have four team members. They're all commission based, so it's depending on their performance. I pay, I pay them no base salary; it's just all commission based, and as a result, I can pay them like two point five k a week at yeah. times. So make loads of money from it, but it means that they're working on my behalf. They're going through my DMs six to eight hours per day, actually taking sales calls six to eight hours per day. All I need to do to then basically move the needle of the business further forward is produce content, nurture my audience, and learn. Yeah. That's it, true it. In yeah, terms of true. moving the needle, that, that's actually it. You just need to know what the contributors towards pushing growth are and then just hone in on them, basically. Yeah. And when they're going through your DMs, are they deleting ones from, like, from girls? Or do you not get any from girls? I don't get any from girls, no. Do you not? No. Why is that? Because Britney's in your bio. I know, like, post Britney, like, every third post. Yeah, is that, is that like, do you put that in Hey Orc or a Hootsuite or something to, to make sure you've got a Britney post every three days? No, 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 no. Is no. that a contractual agreement? No. <laughs> no. Is that written into Far the Infra Production it. shareholding agreement? <laughs> Far from it. But it, interestingly enough, though, also like showing a personal life in that respect helps you sell. Yeah. And it's not like, you don't need to flex your like, net worth or like the amount of money you have in your bank account or anything like that. Just showing like intimate details about your life and your relationship really massively helps you sell. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so those people yeah. just think you're more human, don't they? Yeah, because they trust you more. Like, if, you, if you're if you talking about the fact that, like, you've been through some, like, actual shit in your life and it's really been quite painful and yeah. not everything's been easy, people trust you more because they can relate to you and also just being honest. Yeah, I think it comes back to just authenticity again, isn't it? Which is what I was trying to do with this podcast in, in every episode. Yeah. And, like, coming back to, like, the whole guru thing as well, like, it's just the opposite of authentic because... Wasn't there that one case? I don't ever really speak about it, but I, I don't know him. But I think you knew someone that knew him, and there was some guru that was like living this perfect life on Instagram, and they end up killing himself. Do you know who I'm talking about? I don't know his name in the ecom space. Yeah, yeah, he's actually a really good mate of mine. That was it's yeah. not quite. Yeah, but, that. But the, like that well, was slightly different circumstances. I don't know exactly one. what happened, but I, I just remember. Th- well, I think someone just said to me, "Yeah, like he was living this perfect life on Instagram." Or at least on his, like, business page. Yeah, no, it looked perfect, but... That's what I mean. Yeah, I, th- I think... Whereas if he'd been maybe more... I don't know the full extent of it, but that's obviously an extreme example. Yeah, I'll, I'll explain that a bit more detail because I don't think that's maybe, like, an accurate representation of what happened. I think most entrepreneurs either start because they've had, like, a really messed up childhood or because they're just passionate about succeeding in life, right? It's one of those two reasons. You're either hmm. pretty insecure or you've had some kind of, like, weird messed up childhood. Yeah. Right? For me personally, probably because of my insecurities... Yeah. to a degree and Same. also passion for pushing myself to weird weird points like hard shit basically I yeah. know you're the same and we've had very good childhoods right 
like we've had very good family lives luckily yeah whereas someone like him and i'm not gonna say his name but i think quite a few people watching this will probably know um he had a really messed up childhood like both parents in prison was adopted had to like basically pick things up for himself totally and then yeah ultimately just ha- couldn't get away from that and then he just od'd yeah yeah it would and but from outside it looks perfect like amazing car two di- two amazing cars like a pet dog the amount like the amount of money that guy was earning as well 21 20 was yeah. phenomenal but yeah it's just because like his insecurities which led him to actually building a business ultimately to a degree what kind of led to his i suppose like ill mental health and then as a result yeah just yeah. Think, like as a wider point like yeah that's kind of the problem with instagram basically like, the instagram generation and like probably instagram more than any other platform but like yeah, social yeah. media in general but particularly instagram it just literally is obviously like a highlight reel but like to the point where it's such a highlight reel it's just become like cringe at this point I mean obviously like myself included until probably the old time I posted like real shit or whatever but obviously it's easier to speak about in a format like a podcast you're not going to post an image of you like crying probably yeah but yeah it's just it's actually mad because it's probably the first generation and and the generation after us I've got cousins who are like 10 who are on Instagram and shit and it's like maybe not 10 I don't know yeah, no, my cousins are. But it's, I, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I'm just thinking, like, fuck. I, social media has definitely affected, as I spoke about in the first episode, like, negatively in my mind. It's like, fuck, how's it going to affect, like, 13-year-old girls staring yeah. at Kylie Jenner from day oh, one? so messed Thinking, up. oh, I need to get plastic surgery. Yeah, and then the acceptance of something like OnlyFans. Yeah, as Jesus well, how that's become, like, such a societal norm. And that's nuts. Like, think about that 30 years ago. Yeah. He might, like... We were classy 30 years ago as, as a society, apparently. And also, like, uh, like more normal. Yeah. People weren't monetizing their bodies or anything like that to that extent, where it's just, like, literally se- sexually explicit content. And yeah, obviously, geez, ultimately... You go down the rabbit hole on that one as well, to be fair. Yeah, but, I mean, that's the way in which, like... You have, I have different paths now. You either work a nine-to-five, you, you live at home, like, making no money. Yeah. Not, I'm not saying that if you live nine-to-five, you can stay at home, but these are two different options. Nine-to-five, you stay at home you start a business or you basically sell your body. Yeah. Like that's true. kind of the full routes you have now. And they've yeah, become geez. accepted. Like, like on the whole OnlyFans slash like girls just sexualizing themselves. And again, there's like a few people we know of, like not close friends or any of them, but like who definitely do questionable things. And like, it's the whole, like there's obviously loads of memes about this shit, but the whole like decent looking dolled up girls who just happen to be in Mykonos and Dubai <laughs> Like literally every other month, certainly yeah. through spring and summer, but they couldn't tell you what job they have or what business they're apparently running to pay for these ten thousand pound private jet flights and these five star hotels, which they're miraculously just living in. And then some of them will have like a cute little brand, which is probably doing five hundred pound a year in revenue, which apparently pays for all. There's ways their accounts are published next year. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just <laughs> mean like <laughs> anyone with a brain knows what's going on there. Mm. I just wonder like. And I'm not in that position and like maybe I wish I was a really sexy girl that could just live arguably an easy life and just sell myself on Instagram or OnlyFans. But are they not going to look look at that or even like their parents and just think they obviously know what's going on? Like yeah. you're a prostitute. Yeah, yeah basically. Like you're not an in- influencer. And I feel like the, the line between influencer, which originally started maybe like makeup, beauty videos or whatever. And now like because of OnlyFans and just like all this shit. I feel like more and more girls, just without even realising it, are basically just prostitutes online. Yeah. And even also, if they technically don't sell their body in real life. It's also then ensuring there's a huge lack of trust between like people in our generation, I think. Yeah. Because like, 
in terms of dating someone, you're not going to trust them from the outset to a degree because you, that could be the case, particularly if they've got like expensive items, whatever. Yeah. You'll start to, you start to wonder like, okay, where on earth did that come from? Yeah. But then also just in terms of then like people being transparent about where they're making their money from or how they're then actually building a career, there's a lack of transparency for sure. Or like it's very smoke and mirrors. It's a lack of trust between people, definitely. Yeah. I just think like another like part of that is the whole, like I've never really watched Love Island and I like I've been forced to watch it like a few times with Liv, <laughs> but it's just never been my thing. But like, and this this isn't like on like prostitution or whatever, but not just girls either, but there's a whole generation growing up now, like probably like, are we Gen X? I don't know what we are. Like, I guess just like people that are like maybe 15 now as opposed to like mid 20s or whatever, mm. that are growing up and instead of looking up to like, I don't know, an athlete, like Ronaldo or someone like a musician who's actually like got skills and got famous. They're looking up to people that quite literally just applied and I assume just got picked for whatever reason. Because the way they look and maybe personality. And like almost got picked for being a cunt in many cases. Yeah, and like yeah. basically people are looking up now to people that went on Love Island rather than people that have talent and have actually built something with their life. And I'm not saying everyone on Love Island's a cunt or anything. Like obviously it's very productized at this point. Like they're probably like... I doubt there are even real names in many cases now because of all the shit that was happening with like certain contestants like killing themselves and shit. But like, it just feels like an epidemic of like social media fakeness. Which has been like even more heightened by lockdown because <laughs> no one else yeah. has anything other to do than scroll on social media. Yeah, and just compare themselves to these fake lives. Like even these school fake was personas. shut down for a while. Like young kids, they just, as a result, absorbing that kind of content. That's why TikTok blew up. Like look at like Dixon, Charlie, D'Amelio. Like they literally blew up throughout yeah. that time period. Yeah, it's nuts. I, I, I understand why people go on like shows like Love Island because then they can monetize their personal brand and as a result have access to a huge audience which they can then build a business from. It makes perfect sense. But yeah, I, I'd much personally much I rather do get that it. through means like the Nelk Boys have done where they're creating like sick viral content which is yeah. reaching the masses on like a phenomenal level and like Mr. Mr. Beast. And as a result on the back end of that build and scale very, very successful businesses. Yeah, and to be honest, like most people that go on Love Island, I'm stereotyping, but they don't come across the smartest. And I don't think most of them are going to build a very great empire off the back of it. Some of them have, like Molly May, for example, is probably the most most successful one. Yeah, she's doing amazingly um, well. Wes Nelson, who we know. Yeah, obviously, and he's such a nice he's guy as well. Really clearly smart and fucking got a great music career now. So there are exceptions. But yeah, I mean. I mean, I'd, I'd probably go on it if I got the chance. That's that's the thing. At least I'd, maybe I wouldn't, but like I'd go on it. I can see why I'd go on it because particularly for someone that doesn't have another, for someone that ironically maybe doesn't have the ability or skills or desire to build a business or be an athlete or whatever it is, probably more realistically build a business, then obviously it's a great opportunity to, you're basically guaranteed by the looks of it to become a millionaire these oh, days. Yeah, you yeah. go on, you get million quid plus in brand deals over the next year at yeah. least. Definitely. I would imagine I don't know the exact numbers but in a relationship even better like yeah you, monetize you can just back. yeah yeah and I guess a lot of people want to be that but I think the problem is it's just well maybe it's not a problem maybe I'm just old and decrepit but it just seems weird <laughs> that people now look up to that instead of like actual heroes that used to be the case like I don't know like talented Ronaldo. yeah like he's a great example yeah like we all looked up to him well, obviously he's way bigger than they that. ever will be but yeah yeah but we've all we all spoke about that when like when we were kids we always used like i used to wear a football kit 24 7 yeah i used to look up to footballers and like maybe to a degree musicians or and yeah then when i started to get a bit older business people yeah like, yeah they started same. to kind of like filter in 
but yeah that i mean it's kind of terrifying at the same time what's happening in that respect yeah and i'm not just saying people like necessarily look up to them as opposed to like an icon like ronaldo but like it's more just people want to pursue that as like a career Mm. when firstly like the reality is again on love island i don't don't know what the stats are but it's probably like one in a hundred thousand people actually make it big off like love island which is like probably less chance than you well, definitely less chance than making a decent business if you build a skill set. Like, definitely less chance. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it just seems... The benefit of all this is... Weird. That, um, I think I think it was discussed in the book written by Cal Newport. I can't remember which book it was in particular. But I listened to quite a lot of audiobooks and it was one of Cal Newport's books in particular. But, like, as a result of this and people being distracted 24-7 with, like, eight, ten-hour screen times... Yeah. Like, there's no competition for whatever field you want to enter. Yeah, it's kind of true. It's much more minimal. Like, you're ultimately just being given a massive aid if you want to start a business. Because, A, your audience are all on social media and as a result, you can target them through paid yeah. ad spend. Hmm. And then also, your competitors or who would have been your competitors all, all wanting to be influencers. And as a result, if yeah. you're starting a business, you've got such an incredible opportunity right now. All you need to do is just, you need to be a little bit analytical in terms of your thought processes, observe what's happening with things and just make a product based off what's happening. Yeah. I suppose just be a creator over a consumer. Yeah, no, massively. Which That's so key. It's something I've always like known, but like I've always thought of it like in an e-com sense, but like even recently, I think I was reading a thread from Naval, who a lot of people probably follow, like the fucking wisest Don ever. I'm not actually entirely sure what that Don does. I just know he's wise, <laughs> if I'm honest. <laughs> And it was a big thread about just create over consume, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, generally speaking, whether it's like creating content or like product or whatever it is, but like, it's generally a 99 to one split. 99% of people just consume, whether that's buying, just constantly buying fast fashion, constantly watching TikTok. Then the 1% that can create and ultimately consistently do it, it's almost like inevitable that you'll find some success eventually, whether that's this podcast, which I intend to do consistently, because that's always a problem when something's new. Whether it's like you want to start an econ business, a info products, yeah. online coaching. Yeah, because yeah, you can refine and pivot whatever you do. I just make sure it's actually something which you can monetize, basically. But yeah, no, it's, it's nuts. And it, it benefits anyone who wants to start a business or create something which they can monetize. Because yeah. all of your audience now online, because their screen time's like eight to 10 hours. I think one of the ultimate life hacks right now for people between their age of like 20 to 30 is just do not have a screen time of eight hours. Yeah, true. Unless it's screen, eight hours working on something. Yeah, if you keep your screen time low, like your actual phone screen time, like you can just create stuff. You actually think about things, you learn things. Yeah. And as a result, you're actually understanding how you can then monetize something or create money. Yeah, I, th- I think the biggest problem, and again, it probably ties in with like the whole, everyone's become so fake and like bitchy on social media and shit. And, and definitely applies to like starting a business, but like probably more than anything, it applies to things like just we were saying before we started recording this, is like, I was probably fucking nervous to record the podcast. Like I used to do YouTube stuff then I got hate for it because like it's easy to hate when it's like putting videos out. Whereas like if it's obviously a brand you've built and you're a bit more anonymous as a founder unlike well, until obviously what happened to me. But yeah, like I don't know, even speaking to like my parents, like I mentioned, I was redoing the podcast. I was like to my dad, I said, oh, I'm going to start doing the podcast. And his initial reaction was, why on earth would anyone want to listen to that? Like why on earth would you want to put that content out? But it's just, yeah, I mean, whatever, fine, maybe it's shit content. But you could say that about anything, and people yeah. do say that about anything. They say, why would you start that business? Why would you do that, blah, blah, blah. And it comes ultimately down to the creator versus consumer mindset, which is like 99% to 1%, or the opposite way around. Um, and yeah, it's just, it seems weird that, like, people are so innately negative towards anyone that wants to build anything, yet they won't 
do the right. It's like, like I was saying in the previous episode, like no one has ever hated on someone that did anything. But there's a lot of people, not necessarily hating, but just like putting down things and saying oh, that's a waste of time. Or yeah, it's just a reflection of their own poor self-esteem or the fact they know they could have done something like this and haven't done it. It's all it is. Yeah, because I think once you realise that, it's like oh fuck. I mean, like, yeah, I realised it in, like, an e-com sense ages ago, but, like, making content, I always kind of wanted to do more of it, and then, yeah, just got put off by, like, people telling me, oh, that was shit, like, a music channel I had, and then vlogging, I was just probably less interested in that, and it was a bit less relevant at the time, but even that was, like, why are people saying, why are you doing that? And then some people saying, why are you doing this to the podcast? I'm sure they will, but... But even we have friends that still, like, criticise things like us being on a podcast and stuff like that, because they want to remain anonymous as business owners or founders, and I understand the reasoning for that, but at the same time, if you can monetize something like this and build a brand around it, then absolutely go for it. Like, just do it. Yeah. And it's fun. I think you get to meet just like a networking tool. That's kind of the recent change I had after getting over the whole fucking Neon Beach scandal. Which just like, yeah, I should probably get back on social media because, especially if you're putting out what I think is like decent, authentic, if anything, content, then people, yeah, it's just a decent networking tool, isn't it? If you're, yeah. if you're not, the problem is now, like social media, if you're not on social media at all, either yourself or your business, you're probably fucked. Yeah. Like to some extent. And also the argument about like remaining anonymous if you're a business founder and as a result, people not latching onto your business is like totally contradicting yourself because ultimately if you're selling a product, people are aware of your business. Yeah. Uh, so like when people say that, Millions like, oh, of people. people can lock onto yeah. what you're doing in terms of your systems or your tactics or whatever you're doing with the niche. That's absolute bollocks because you're selling a product, therefore people can reverse engineer that. They don't need to know. It's yeah, it's an interesting one actually. It's, yeah, because oh, it's so baffling. I used to think more like that, and it's probably why we partly cancelled the podcast last year. And like, me and the two of us that were doing it, and then then I sort of realised. Yeah, I suppose there's another term I've come onto recently because of Twitter, which is like building in public. And I think it's just quite a good term because I think it's net beneficial basically to share some stuff of what you're doing and like you just said like if, if you've got a big brand say and you're an anonymous founder fucking millions of people will see the brand anyway and purchase and your if, product and otherwise if, if they want to copy business. it they can still copy it and to be honest they're, they're probably more likely to copy it if, if there's no content at the founder because yeah, it's, it's it's humanless to them exactly there's no aspect of like any loyalty or association towards that person in any yeah. respect and also particularly like brands that are built around lifestyle because you're still portraying an amazing lifestyle that the brand's created and clearly the founder's experiencing. Yeah. It's just, I find it True. utterly bizarre. And then I suppose in many ways, obviously Gymshark have done it massively. Other brands have done it, but that's probably like the obvious example. Like having the founder so public probably makes people buy into the brand even more and probably actually makes like investors buy into the brand even more. Uh, oh, because uh, yeah. If, like if, if you're on the map as a founder, I know that there's a lot of people that probably, definitely more people I see doing this, but like, yeah, it's quite... It's definitely, you're more likely to get approached by like investors, people that potentially want to buy the business, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, like uh, Shan Hanif, uh, who runs Genflow, the CEO of Genflow, he spoke about that so openly on his podcast. He's like, one of the reasons why I was producing vlogs for the past six months every week yeah. was because I was looking to raise capital. Yeah, it's quite smart to be fair. And, I was, and as a result, he raised 12 to $13 million. Yeah. In January. And I'm, well, that makes perfect sense, yes, because people can see the process from A to B, actually observe who you are, trust you, it's the same way in which people buy products from me because they trust me. Yeah. And because I've nurtured them through content. And like the same with investors, people buy into humanity. <laughs> they buy into like actually being able to understand what contributes to what and the bit about the person. And the same way that like Matt and I recently, we hopped on a call with uh, one of Matt's actual like previous investors about a potential product. And I'm not going to name the product, but it was around a supplement brand. Yeah. 
And then we, we both hopped off the call and we were like, well, it's never going to happen because we just don't like the founder. Yeah, but it just like, came across, yeah, it didn't come across very well. And it was like... Yeah, and there's like, there's no background history of us to like, that we can observe in terms of content around him or like what he chose, why he chose to do this, etc. So we can't actually fact check anything either apart from his company stats. Yeah, so... It's like, whereas if I, if I want to work with someone... Example. Like if I hire someone and I can look at their social media and see that they're actually passionate about something that I'm yeah. hiring them for, I'm much more likely to hire them. And I suppose like even if you're not putting content out just on that point about that call, I suppose A, putting content out probably actually helps your social skills and networking skills and selling skills ultimately anyway, like makes you a better speaker, et cetera, et cetera. But then... Yeah, I mean, that's the point. So then even if, not, even if you're not putting content out, um, well, A, you can get better at it by doing content. Wait, what was I saying? Wait, I've lost my words. My point is, even if you're not putting content out, just getting better at speaking and networking is going to be better for like situations like that where you're having calls and you need to come across well and not just fucking corporate bollocks, whatever. Yeah. But actually on, the, on top of that, obviously making content gives you practice. Yeah. at speaking whether in a situation like this on a call and also like further improve so, your ability to actually articulate ideas which is key if you're running a business because like if you don't speak to people or create content around your particular field or niche like how on earth are you going to communicate to a team what you want them to do yeah and true and if you're building any kind of business you're going to need to continuously drill in the same point like five or six times a day for your team to understand it it won't be a case yeah. of like okay we're doing this system and then they immediately take hold of it and run with it because that, that's just not the way that humans work, particularly people that are working within a role in a company. Yeah. Like you have to say the same thing five times over, potentially in different ways to, to actually get to the point where they understand it and can then actually apply it. I think that's been like a massive learning curve for me as well. Like huge learning curve for me. Yeah. Like, and obviously I, I don't really have a fucking personal brand. I guess this podcast is like, yeah, the, the one part of like personal branding, which, well, the one part of content which I've always wanted to put out and now I'm putting out more and I'll probably ultimately end up building some sort of personal brand around it, even if it's very, not that big. But I feel like it's quite a deep platform. And like, do you find, well, I suppose that's not the question, but like, obviously you don't have a million followers, but you've still built a crazy business from a very deep audience. Yeah, like I've got 10K followers for context and like, I actually refer to this, I've got like 4,000 Facebook friends. I did 100K last month. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not running any pay traffic right now. I'll start running pay shout outs next week for to actually scale my Instagram audience and as a result drive more traffic towards our offer so it can scale. Yeah. But that was just within the first like 45, 30 days of us launching a new offer because it's a good offer. Which for yeah. me is so interesting as well because it's like, yeah, you can scale with pay traffic for sure but if you can actually monetize something with a very small audience, it means your messaging's on point, your offer's on point, the guarantee you have in place for your offer is on point, delivery's on point you can then scale out to the moon with pay traffic and amplify that. Yeah, I, sp- I suppose it's like, yeah, it's, it's better to have 10,000 quality followers and like fucking five quality friends or network than have a million followers which are all just Indians masturbating over pictures of you yeah, <laughs> or whatever which is it like, is, which, yeah. which a lot of certain like female influencers yeah. in reality have. Like they'll have a million followers but they can't even monetize their audience. Which brands is the point I'm making. as well. Yeah. Like if you're an aspiring influencer and you want to build a, and you want to actually monetize your personal brand, like build an actual audience, not just people that are like, yeah, obsessed with you for whatever reason, but aren't going to purchase anything from you. Yeah. Like get it right. <laughs> sort out what you're doing with that. Yeah, so like, so true. Someone that's done that incredibly well. And if there's any like girls listening to this is Grace Beverly. Oh yeah, definitely. Like, the amount of success she's attained as a result Man. of starting Tala, Shreddy, 
other businesses on the back end of her following is phenomenal. But that's because she built a loyal following base, the majority of which aren't like pervy men. Yeah, It's actually exactly. girls that actually want to learn from her and purchase from her product. I purchased her products and she's done phenomenally well with it. Like, so replicate that. Look at Molly May. <laughs> she's done the same thing. Yeah. Funny enough. Slightly different it's audience, like, but yeah. Yeah, it's a slightly different audience. Just potentially more like fashion-based, whatever it may be. And it's done phenomenally well with it. And like, even yeah. for example, like the Nelk Boys that we all, we both watch like all the time and like I know all of our mates watch. They did like 70 mil from match last year. Yeah, they've got a cult, fucking cult audience. Yeah. I'd love to get like, that on the podcast at some point. Yeah, it's just like college dudes Episode party. 500. Like literally like frats. Yeah, but yeah, it's so true. Like, but it's such, yeah, like I find even myself like just being like a, a cult follower of them almost. Yeah, no, it's lit. I probably wouldn't buy that, well, I haven't bought that merch, it probably wouldn't be fair, but like I definitely watch their videos. Like, and yeah, we, we're people that are hard to like convince to purchase because we sell yeah, our probably, stuff. So probably. Like, yeah. yeah, it's really hard to actually get us to purchase anything. But yeah, they're a really good example. And it's like a deep audience, but also fucking massive, which obviously equals like probably $100 million plus business. I don't know what they're doing, but probably more than that. Um, yeah, like 70 mil from merch last year without Happy Dad. And now Happy Dad's launched. Like that'd be a billion yeah. dollar business. Yeah, that's like, crazy. I don't have any doubt about that. And they've also, one thing that's really interesting about, and I only actually came to know this like last weekend from Tyler, was that um, Stephen Kyle put in place a CEO and a president for both companies. Yeah. I didn't know that. I thought they were responsible for all operations but they've actually hired someone to leverage oh, geez, yeah. it's a big operation at that level isn't it yeah but that's really bright that's super bloody intelligent I suppose that brings it on nicely to wrapping round to an earlier point before we get on too much of a tangent is I definitely see more influencers now and like content creators like Nelk Grace Beverly whatever realising that you can't make that much money long term just fucking doing paid shout outs etc so obviously now they're all, they're all trying to build brands oh, well not all of them the smart ones are obviously you're in for a productions thing yeah is well tell us more about that I suppose we went over briefly but that's building info products with influencers but then the plan is you mentioned to potentially and I think it's smart to move into doing physical product brands like econ brands whether that's something like Tala fucking Happy Dad whatever yeah absolutely yeah so I mean the reasons to why I saw this being like a gap or something we can actually build as a business was because Influencers, you said, like they've correctly identified that they can only last on brand deals for so long, yeah. and brand deals renewed every like twelve, six, whatever, however many months, twenty-four months, and as a result, they have a certain lifespan. So it's like between the age of twenty to thirty, yes, you can make loads of money, but after that, you're done basically. Yeah. Whereas if you can then build an actual platform for an influencer, which they actually own, in this instance, an info product and a digital course. It, they can't get a brand to tell them no you can't run that anymore or you can't make money from that anymore yeah and as a result they can actually monetize their own audience on their own terms so if, they, if their brand deals go they can make a ton of money no matter what um, which is exactly what Grace has done so we, we're basically doing that with just info products so obviously we have the skills set to build and scale info products with a very middle audience like mine which is 10k followers so we're now basically building info products for influencers that have in this instance we're about to work with an influencer that has 18 million followers um, if we convert like two percent of that following is like 36 million for a 199 product yeah which is just phenomenal i think that's only one percent sorry um which is just absolutely phenomenal um but that's where things are going right now people are like influencers who are locked onto things aren't relying on brand deals they're building their own companies so if we we can help do that for them and automate it for them as a system we have a business that we can scale to the moon and back yeah because that's the thing like most influencers not all of them but most of them probably don't know how to well, most people and, and most influencers wouldn't know how to properly monetize the audience. So, yeah, no, like the influencers we've worked with so far, like they have no clue and they also don't want to know. 
Yeah. Like they want to make money, but they don't want to like have to actually observe how to make money and all learn the principles that contribute to it. Mm. They just, they'd much rather give like 50% of the business away to someone that knows how to do it. Yeah. So true. And, good model. and as a result, create revenue from it, which they can then create revenue from for the next like two, three, four years and then build in something different. Yeah. And ultimately have an asset they can sell potentially. Yeah. If like, they build something proper. And the same way in which like, obviously with the update from OnlyFans which is like a month ago where they said they're removing sexually explicit content or creative yeah, was that legit? I no they, like they was, actually reversed that decision yeah. like a day later but it if that marking. were to be the case like that would have been what maybe like 75% of OnlyFans creators done Yeah, literally. whereas if they actually had their own OnlyFans platform they'd be the only OnlyFans creator that has that platform and as a result can monetize it so all of that audience would have gone immediately to their offer Yeah, which would have made way more sense for someone to do but no one did it so it's just like you know, if you, can, if you can facilitate that aspect of things and leverage someone's audience. And also, as we all know, anyone that runs a business, like the reasons to why we work with influencers, like in your instance, obviously with the brands you've run as well, is so you can access their audience. Yeah. Right? So if you can then partner with someone like that and you know how much money they can make, but they're not aware of how to do it. Yeah, 100%. Definitely. You have, an, you have a Go sick deeper. offer and that's what we've done with intro productions, <clears throat> basically. Yeah, because obviously GenFlow is probably the only... Well, certainly the only company I'm aware of, at least in the UK, that does it with physical products. Yeah, Genflow. And then like one of our inspirations for building this obviously was Masterclass, but that's a centralized version of what we're doing. Yeah. And it's a totally different model. They they pay their influencers all like Samuel L. Jackson, Serena Williams, like an upfront fee of like two to five mil, whatever it is. Yeah, fuck. I always wondered. They must be so expensive. Yeah, they pay them so much money. And then as a result- so good as well. They, so like- I think they have like- I, I don't know whether or not they have like um, a revenue based deal after that in terms of collected revenue but because it's a subscription based product for the platform I doubt that yeah because like you couldn't attribute someone purchasing masterclass subscription just to one product unless they go yeah, to yeah very true so it'd be very difficult to track that so I doubt that's the case I think it's paying a one time fee but then the production cost is like phenomenally big it's like watching a movie yeah it know? is to be fair for and it's not like it's I'd not- like to have someone making this podcast and movie but yeah baby steps. we'll get, get there yeah. but yeah masterclass in itself isn't like how to make money like actionable steps it's like these are the principles that I apply to my business or like how to cook food or whatever so it's actually different to what we're doing to a degree and it's more like an actual Netflix show whereas it's like an interview yeah. of them orchestrating how they've done things so but that that in itself like masterclass is now worth something around 2.5 2.6 billion USD and it's not profitable yeah, I always find it interesting. This could probably be another fucking debate as well, or just conversation. I spoke about it a few times, just on that point. Like, obviously, like, econ brands or whatever, which I'm more familiar with, obviously, like, a bedroom brand will sell for, like, typically, like, two to three X net profit. That's pretty standard. So if you're running three million revenue, making 300 grand, you could probably only sell it for a million quid, typically speaking. But but then you get to the next level where suddenly, well, there's probably three steps. Like, that's the most standard where like there's a lot of those acquisitions that happen that you would never read about because they're not that big. Then you get the brands that will sell for like 10x revenue or be valued at 10x revenue. Like I think Gymshark was similar to that. I don't know the exact, but it was like obviously much higher than 3x profit. It was like 40x profit or whatever. And like like movement watches as well. They sold for like 200 million. It was making like 7 million profit or whatever. I've always been interested by that. But then you get the next level where you get these typically massively what well, they're always like vc backed because that's how they get the valuation on paper like yeah. they raise 200 million for 10 percent, so they're worth 2 billion but they're burning cash and like a lot of public companies as well i don't even know where i'm going with this i've always just found it interesting like particularly the first two because how do i go with my next econ brand i've been thinking about this a lot 
from only commanding a two to three X net profit multiple, which by the way would, would mean it's probably impossible to make a hundred million quid from an exit because unless you build a 30 million pound a year profit econ brand, which is pff, fucking difficult. Yeah. Like yeah. it would have to be doing 300 million in revenue probably. Yeah. So how do, how do you go to like being acquired for five to 10 X revenue as a brand, which are obviously like these unicorn examples you read about. And that's how you can potentially make a hundred million quid, I think from an e-com exit that you can build over like five years. But then beyond that, you obviously get companies like fucking masterclass loads of tech examples um i always read like public company like financials just out of interest and like there's a company called atlassian is that you say atlassian they make trello and a bunch of other things their market cap is like 50 billion dollars their revenue is 500 million so they're they're trading at 100x revenue market cap it's like why they're losing 100 million a year or something yeah and obviously i get the mechanics of why it's a public company blah 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 people are buying into what they think the future value is but it's just interesting because I would rather be the bloke that well I don't know like hypothetically I'd rather be the person that raised a load of money built a billion dollar brand that's losing money but my stake's worth half a billion quid and I exit rather than bootstrapping my ass off making can't make any fucking profit because ad costs are going up and then I have to sell it for relatively fuck all because do you know what I mean? Like, is there actually any business that's just bootstrapped and attained like a billion valuation? I'm I'm not actually aware of any. Like totally yeah. bootstrapped, they will all raise capital at some point. Or had yeah, I, f- I feel like one good example in the e-com space is My Protein. He, he always bangs on. The, the, but he the, raised capital. Oliver Cookson. I don't think he did until he sold it. He said it was ca- didn't raise capital until he sold it for sixty five million. But but even then, oh, the, yeah, but I it's think not like I think the billion level though. Is yeah, it? I know. Like, I mean, it's still sick level. But yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just interesting because. I don't know how that was relevant to your point, but the, the, the masterclass thing just made me think. And yeah, I've always been interested in that because ultimately, if you're building a brand, I mean, yeah, granted, you might enjoy it, blah, blah, blah. You want to build something great, but most people want to start a business. Yeah, because it's the game, etc. But you want to get paid for it at some point. Yeah, sorry, brief interlude because my baby Dashen started barking because someone came into our home studio. <laughs> but yeah, I guess, I mean, geez, we've gone a tangent forever about stuff like that, but. Yeah, masterclass is interesting, and I suppose is that. I guess what's the vision then going forward? I suppose that's kind of a good way to wrap it up, like the last five, ten minutes, whatever. Yeah. What's the vision going forward with Info Productions? Anything else? Um, we've spoken about this a few times. I like definitely spoke about this a year ago, both you and Fred. Like uh, whether or not we want to get to a billion dollar brand or billion pound brand, mm. but at some point, like I definitely see that as being viable, particularly given the fact that like the information product space online is blowing up massively. And there's decentralization away from like university systems and yeah. classic education. So university if we can scan. actually tr- tailor our services towards that, or build an, an offer around that as well, as well as working with these influencers that have access to hundreds of millions of people, um, it'll be something that we can scale pretty drastically. And I'll definitely bring on capital at some point to facilitate that growth even more so. Yeah. But like our, our immediate way of ensuring that is by working with these influencers that have access to, as I said, like multi millions of followers basically they would cost us hundreds of thousands in ad spend to attain mm-hmm. which is leveraging their audience to ensure that um, so yeah I'd love to get to like a, a billion dollar valuation if not more with the brand I don't know how much I'll learn by that own by that point Yeah, but I'd, I'd actually love to I'd facilitate that and be, be a part of that like definitely um, just because it's like one of those incredible figures and I also see that as being very viable particularly considering that people start a masterclass where one guy who had the idea initially who was based in, in college and he spoke to his like um, film teacher or something like that in the US. Yeah. It's just two people that partnered on a product. Like, I don't know how much they own of the company right now, having raised, I think, the round year funding. 
um, yeah, I'd love to kind of like match that level and particularly then add on different variables of that, like the e-commerce aspect of things, tech, software. Um, and having been like inspired by obviously all of our friends and what they've achieved, but then also like people like our friend Ismail that lives down the road, he built a, a, ta- a tech and SaaS business and it did 16 million in its first launch month. Yeah, that's fucked. And he's like 22, 23. And I was like, okay, That's well, the shit that just like gives me anxiety, but it's like, fuck, I'm so shit. But then it makes you think, okay, just think bigger. Yeah, no, it's just like think bigger and also that think about vehicles which you can actually facilitate even more growth with. Yeah. Like I've, I think the majority of entrepreneurs are very ADHD and as a result, they hop from one vehicle to another all yeah, the time. Yeah, I do that. Chris. But I also do think it's very like, you have to be realistic about whether or not your vehicle can get to like a billion in terms of its valuation. Yeah, I guess if that's where you want to go. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think like ultimately one of the ways to actually make that happen is by working in tech and producing something which is yeah. along that level of... But again, I also do think that you, you should stick with your offer if you do see it as being viable and the particular vehicle you're in. And like, look at someone like Alex and Rosie who's doing 100 million a year. <laughs> yeah, that Don is mad. Like I said, I've been listening to his 100 million. I haven't actually finished it. I was listening to it today. I'm halfway through his 100 million dollar offer book. It's Great pretty book. good to be fair. Definitely changed the way book. I think about things. I just probably haven't read enough in, in recent... I probably used to read loads and then I just assumed I knew stuff and then probably stopped reading, which is really fucking stupid. But... I think like I'd, yeah, I, I guess the mind going two different ways to think about that though because like a load of like content that we read or people that read they're just doing it for the purpose of like self-improvement when yeah. in reality it actually doesn't attribute towards anything because it's not applicable to where they are in life or oh, you're reading crap stuff yeah I'd much rather purchase courses that teach me a particular skill set like how to refine this component of a funnel or ads yeah true cause or you, building an offer because like if you take advice and read shit from I don't know 10 different experts in fucking 10 different spaces then you're, you're not really nailing down anything no at all you can't even process the amount of information that you're actually absorbing in the first place and actually action it it's impossible yeah you're just shooting yourself in the foot basically yeah get get like shiny object syndrome just reading a billion self-help books and then not actually doing anything because in 10 years time but not right now yeah very true and you get complacent because you're like well i'm not there so i can't apply this yeah yeah well duh (laughs) yeah no shit have to work on where you are and then actually develop skills that will enable you to get to the next point yeah geez so if you sold this future business then for a billion let's say you made 200 million quid hypothetically what would you do next do you have a noble pursuit do you, do you think you're entrepreneurial enough to always want to like do the next thing like Elon Musk or whatever or realistically would you retire to Costa Rica and get five dogs five dogs in specifically well five or four <laughs> well sausage dogs Dash yeah, hands. like this one. Like this running guy, back this in. little guy. Um, yeah, I'd probably start something else, definitely. But I also know that like, and I'm not just saying this to like portray myself as being like a, a good person, but I lost my dad to cancer and I would love to like do something along the lines of to help. Mm. But independently, I wouldn't put money into another like charity because they haven't cracked it so far. Yeah. So, like, and also yeah, I just true. don't know where my money's going. So I'd yeah, much rather Christ, put money true. towards something where I'm actually doing independent research and helping people in a situation like that because it's awful and it can tear families apart so we'd much rather do something along the lines of that yeah lit. and like also like yeah if you exit for 200 million what on earth you can do with that money I definitely don't want to give it to my kids yeah true like definitely don't I feel like you're robbing them of so much happiness if you give money to your kids you could probably play a game called let's see how much we can spend in Maddox yeah <laughs> I wonder what the record is or in Harrods I think I want to get Gary on this podcast to speak about that sort of shit that's be interesting very different topic oh he's just across the road now Oh, is he? Yeah, he's back in MC. Oh, really? Since when? Yeah, since like two weeks ago. Okay. Oh. But yeah, but no. That's a well, yeah, I honestly think like giving all that money to your kids is just the way to ultimately fuck them up and like make them very unhappy people. 
Yeah. So I, I definitely don't want to do that. I'd much rather like, honestly, pretty much die with nothing. Just give it to other causes or put it somewhere else. Yeah. Give it to my mum first. But yeah, no one else yeah, it's an that. interesting one. Because I feel like a lot of people, myself included to an extent, think when they get 100 million quid, you know, then they'll be happy. Then they'll be set. But you'll probably find... No, I was happiest when I was 18. I had no money. Yeah. Well, like, I actually was. When I just finished my A-levels, I felt like I had absolute freedom. Yeah, like summer holiday vibes. Yeah, and I probably had like 50 quid in my account. Yeah, I definitely relate to that. And I was just happy because I was like, well, I've got everything ahead of me. I've got all these opportunities. Yeah. You know, I wasn't valuing myself based on how much money I had or what I'd achieved so far. I was just like, right, I've got to give it a crack. Why not? Yeah. The four pillars of life, health, wealth, love and happiness. Yeah, I think freedom's so, so important, isn't it? Yeah, freedom, yeah. I feel like freedom's part of all that. But Lit. Excited to see it then. Give you five years to get to a billion. Five years, mate. Jeez. I mean, it's definitely good to think big. Like I've been trying to fucking 10x journal recently, which is an exercise where you just write your goal, then you intentionally make it 10x bigger to the point where it sounds stupid. So you should start aiming for 10 billion. To, yeah because no, no one says 10 billion it's fucking ludicrous well I mean I know for a fact that like the next influence working with we can do like 36 mil convert 1% of the audience yeah times it by what 300 to get to 10 billion wait yeah. no more than that no yeah yeah Quick and maths. also like if you said to me 3 or 4 years ago you did 100k in a month with like 80-85% margin I'd be like what like there's no way it's just the same HMRC thing HMRC has joined the chat <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, no, yeah no, exactly. It's just the way that works, isn't it? It's just your thought process about things. Yeah, definitely. Excited to see it. Right, make happen, mate. Right then, pretty good episode. Um, we'll wrap it up there, and we'll see you on the next one. Oh yeah, like, comment, and subscribe, like Tyler said last time, and we'll see you in a bit. <laughs>